You're a big league manager. And like everyone else in the sport, your world, at least the baseball part of it, came to a screeching halt in mid-March. If you're believing Commissioner Rob Manfred today, you likely won't see baseball for a very, very long time. You go home to your family and you take every precaution you can to avoid testing positive, and it's still not enough. You get COVID-19, fortunately without symptoms that were too serious. You recover, and then it's time to resume your duties and try to convince 60 ballplayers how seriously they have to take this virus, which you can do because you're the one manager in the game who has had firsthand experience with it. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. And Solaire drives it into deep right field, blasts his second home run of the season, and the Royals have hit five home runs in the first five innings. Mike Matheny enjoyed a 12-year career as a big league catcher, with the Brewers, Blue Jays, Royals, and Cardinals winning four gold gloves in the process. Following his playing career, Matheny managed the Cardinals for seven seasons, leading them to the playoffs four times, including a trip to the World Series in 2013. After a year serving as a special advisor for the Kansas City Royals, he was hired as manager of the Royals this past winter. But then, during the shutdown, Matheny tested positive for COVID-19. We are very happy to say he has recovered, he is back at work with the Royals, as they embark on their season, but a lot to talk about, obviously, with Mike Matheny. Mike, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, Dan. My pleasure. Do you remember the first time that you became aware of the coronavirus, like back in spring training, or maybe even it was before that, and, and what its impact could be on baseball this year? Uh, you know, I, I did hear about it, obviously, uh, out east, and uh, we knew that uh, this was something that could potentially hit us. I don't think any of us dreamed that it would affect our world like it has, and you know, I think we all feel so invincible at times that um, this didn't seem like something that would hit close to home. But uh, we, I had some friends who, who traveled the world and I knew that they were starting to adjust the way that they thought about business and uh, started to, to cross my mind that this could eventually be a bigger deal than what we thought. When baseball did shut down and you went home, this was before you, were, you tested positive, which came a couple of months later, but did you like hunker down in your house for a couple of months? How much did you stay inside, say during you know, March, April, early May? I tell you, Dan, I was really proud. We brought three boys home from college, two that were senior, graduating seniors and uh, one who was a freshman. So we went from empty nest to full house again, almost with uh, three of the five home. And uh, I, I was concerned about how how much um, we were going to have to stay on the boys about staying close to home. Uh, but they did a fantastic job. And and it wasn't out of fear. It was uh, out of respect. They just wanted to, to try and do the right thing. And my wife and I truly enjoyed uh, having our boys back and having dinners at a scheduled time and we really didn't do anything and followed uh, all the protocols so it was uh it was something i was surprised not just for my wife and i but more so for 20s kids in their 20s this is a this is a this is a hard ask for them but uh, they did a fantastic job yeah i've got three of those myself so i know what you're talking about i, I would imagine when the three boys were home the grocery bill skyrocketed though yeah, they, they certainly did. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. You know, all three are, are baseball players and um, 
two were just finishing up and it was trying to, to figure out what that next phase of life was watching two go through graduation and not knowing how that was all going to play out. But uh, a lot of going back to the things that we, we experienced before and yeah, they can uh, put away some groceries. <laughs> when did you find out that you had tested positive and, and how did you find out? Did the symptoms come first or did the test come first? It was actually just exposure. And I think a lot of people kind of fell into the same, you know, after a month and a half or two months of really hunkering down, um, you just started to try and, and, and have some empathy uh, for, for some of these kids. And one of mine, just uh, it was very harmless and everybody seemed to be going through the protocol, but uh, got exposed. And so the day that we heard we were exposed to him, uh, we quarantined him away from his brothers and uh, my wife and I took off uh, just to spend time by ourselves to make sure that we weren't passing it along. My wife has parents that uh, we know are in that that higher risk age, and we wanted to make sure that we just didn't pr keep this thing moving. And um, we, by that point, we'd followed close enough to realize how serious it could be. So we went to a, a lake house and completely quarantined ourselves, which was really strange because it, it hit me about three days after exposure and then my wife the entire time, and I, I've got to admit, we weren't being very careful around each other, uh, but she never did uh, get any symptoms or never did uh, even test positive. What were your symptoms like? You know, I had a little bit of everything, Dan. Uh, the first thing was I, I just know that uh, I, my, my energy was sapped. I mean, I, and I'm typically on the move. I can't sit still, which was hard through the whole through the whole quarantine period, but, uh, you know, working out and I was in tune enough with my body to kind of understand, you know, something didn't right here. And, and it was right almost as predicted about three days in, tried to get a little bit of a workout just on a, a bike ride. And I was like, man, I think something's going on here. And then the difficulty breathing was the one thing that, um, gave me a little bit more of an understanding of why we need to be so careful with this, especially for those at high risk. And uh, you know, it got to the point where it lasted a couple of weeks, probably my symptoms, nothing where I probably wouldn't have shown up to work in a normal world. And in this world, I'd have infected a whole bunch of people. But it was something that I was almost hypersensitive to because I, I knew what was going on in the rest of the world. But uh, that was pretty serious to the point where I could see how high risk people uh, it would certainly it would certainly affect because I can still almost feel a little bit of that. And when I take a deep breath, that there was uh, there was still some lingering going on there. Hmm. And you mentioned your son was exposed. Did he ever test positive or, or he was fortunate and didn't actually have it himself? No, he did test positive. And so okay. but we took off and quarantined knowing that he probably was was around and exposed enough that uh we had a, a place where he could go, where he could be by himself, and video games seemed to be his uh, <laughs> his full time friend. And uh, like uh, all of our our boys, I, you know, I think there's a generation out there that didn't mind this whole thing to where they could uh, hunker down and play a whole yeah. lot of games and uh, get a little uh, work done on the side with school. But he did, and he had uh, different symptoms than I actually. He uh, lost the the taste and the smell. And had a headache for one day, and that was really all he had. And, but for some reason, mine hung on for a couple of weeks. Hmm. Glad to hear he's doing better and that, uh, and that everybody else is okay. So baseball starts up again. And did your players know that you had tested positive when you guys got together again? And, and how did you talk to them about that? You know, I, I kind of let it let it lay low. Um, I, it was so much still unknown. And um, the time that I actually let it be known is when our first player tested 
positive, which was uh, Salvador Perez. And so just wanted to let the guys know. And, and it was also a great conversation to have with Salvi. Like, listen, this is going to work out. You're going to be fine. Just follow the protocols. But I think it, it, it helped with the messaging to our club, Dan, right from the beginning of, hey, guys, listen, we are not immune to this. And I think, as you know, being around players, there's a sense and it's part of their greatness of, of being 10 foot tall and bulletproof and uh, especially being in a lower risk demographic to where, you know what, this this isn't that big of a deal that that could easily infiltrate an entire clubhouse. But one it hitting a guy like a Salvador Perez and and then the messaging and the and the, the idea that, guys, we've got to be so on top of our game right now with how we're going to to take every precaution possible. Let's take the information that we have. Once again, not live in fear, but we were talking about living by a faith, by faith in the process, by faith in all the protocols, by faith in all the effort that Major League Baseball and our trainers and, and everyone, the CDC has put into place, and then faith in each other to do the right thing. And if, if we can do that, we're gonna minimize our risks. Things happen, just like with my son, it was so innocent trying to do the right thing and then something happens that, that they were exposed. So now how do we keep it from having this widespread mass kind of infiltration is by us all taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. Right. And, and I believe, you know, every team's been affected to a different degree. The Marlins are going through a, a very serious time right now. I believe the Royals have had eight players test positive, but it wasn't like a concentrated outbreak. I don't think it, it was different people, different times different places. I read a quote from you a couple of weeks ago where you said you're afraid to get a text on your phone because you don't want to look down and see that it could be somebody else. Have things calmed down since then? Do you feel like within your clubhouse and within your organization, you've kind of got a handle on this thing right now? Well, I don't ever want to take that um, arrogant approach because we don't know enough about this thing. But I believe our medical team and our guys have done a great job because all but one, I believe, of our cases were really traced back to the entrance exam. So this was something that guys came in with originally, and then it was slowly and methodically making its way through. But the fact that we didn't have, and, and we still may, but the fact that we didn't have that mass outbreak, I, I think, is a testament to the guys of all really buying into how, how careful we need to be. And once again, uh, you just you just don't know. We don't know enough about this, and you can't perfectly trace it either. Uh, but we're learning more each day, and what the guys are understanding is, uh, one, if I don't feel well, I'm, I'm not coming in. I'm going to call. I'm going to go through all the testing. But then when we get to the field, let's go ahead and wear the masks. Wear them all the time when we're inside. There are many guys that are wearing them when they're outside. They're, they're um, obeying with uh, keeping the distance and the, none of the high fives, none of the huggings. I mean, they're just trying to, to make an extra effort and. For it to be in our clubhouse with guys and to not just run rampant through there, uh, I think it was just a a concerted effort by everybody. So when you were at summer camp in Kansas City, every team has its own code of conduct and rules, and I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between them. But like for you personally, did you just go from home to the ballpark and back? Was there nothing else on your agenda over that two, three week period? Yeah, I've I've been, I should have invested into DoorDash. um, So yeah. I would, I would wake up, um, get to the, the field as early as we can, which we're also trying to change that, the, the whole rhythm and everybody's kind of, uh, you have such habits in this game as, and you know, these guys are so uh, predictable and 
how they go about their daily work, but we've been changing it. Even here as we're in Detroit, we're pushing back all of our bus time so we don't have the lingering around and, and where you're just in, in each other's space more. And, and the same thing happened all through summer camp is that we're very diligent about getting there, getting our work, staying uh, away from meetings inside, trying to get work done and bringing guys in in shifts where we knew we'd only have a certain amount of guys in a certain area for a certain amount of time, which when you run in 60 guys through plus staff, um, it, it became a challenge. But the guys, and I can't say this enough, Dan, most of it was just attitude. And, and they were just so grateful. You hear everybody say, hey, we'll do whatever it takes just to get back and play baseball. I witnessed this with this group and uh, they did and they never whined and complained. And, and we just were, I mean, relentlessly on them about, hey, give space. Hey, put on your mask. Hey, don't. We felt like we were kindergarten teachers at, at, <laughs> at, at some points, but the guys were incredible about being receptive because I think because we had those early cases too, the urgency was there that we're going to have to go above and beyond what's comfortable in order to, to get back to playing the game that we love. Right. That's great to hear that they're being so disciplined. Then the regular season starts. And some teams, as you and I speak today, some teams still haven't gone on the road. You started on the road. So you were in Cleveland and now as we speak, you're in Detroit. Was there uh, a little bit of extra concern on your part, getting on an airplane, going to a different city, checking into a hotel, that sort of thing? I think everybody, once again, uh, we walk on with with lots of these uh, sanitation wipes. We're spaced out differently on the planes. Not quite the same kind of what you would normally experience on our flights, but we, we travel so well. But you could tell, you know, we get on a bus and the first six seats are roped off so we can't be too close to the bus driver. And then we get to the hotel and you go in your room and it looks like they're getting ready to paint. They pull everything off all the shelves and there's just nothing to be touched and everything's encased in plastic and it's a new kind of normal and it is different and but then you know we get to go to the field at, at some point and um, same thing you know I look at, at the clubhouse here we've got so many auxiliary rooms where guys are, are having their their lockers and our clubhouse is like a hundred yards long and you, you got to go looking for Waldo to find some guys sometimes <laughs> but it's it's uh, pretty well thought out. I mean, everybody's going to extreme lengths, whether it's in the hotel, whether it's in the transportation. And then once we get to the field, everybody's trying to figure out how can we do this just a little bit better to make sure we're at least doing our part. Once the game starts, does it look to you like their concentration, their effort, their focus, everything about them is as good as it needs to be, as good as it normally is? Yeah, I've been really happy with the way our guys have competed. And, and to be honest, what they've done with um, piping in some of that ambient noise, I think that's really important for, for a couple reasons. One is I, I never want to take away and I haven't really seen what it looks like from a fan's perspective. Uh, we're, we're watching so much video preparing for the next games, but I think it does probably help with that. But it, it creates a more natural atmosphere with having some of the noise and some of the, the music in between. But I also think it, it keeps the teams from hearing each other. You know, the first few days that we had inter-squad, you could hear every grunt, every moan, every uh, swear that the pitcher would, would have after a bad pitch or the hitter after a swing. I mean, you started almost seeing emotions flare up a little bit. And so I contacted uh, the commissioner's office and just asked if we could start trying it out because we're starting to get guys mad at each other because of pure emotion. And we never want to draw that out of the game. But overall, it's been way, way better than I ever thought it would be. Now, nothing replaces having our fans in the stands and, and the excitement. And I feel for some of our guys. We've had 
Um, three different players already debut, and they debuted in front of no fans and no family. And, and the family thing is something that really um, struck hard to me, just thinking if one of my boys were to have their debut in the major leagues and, and uh, as a parent, I, I would not be able to be there to witness it. That that would be a, a shame. And they're a part of the story. These families are a part of the story. So it's different, but it, it's still, it feels like a major league environment because we have mm-hmm. major league competition. As we wrap up with what the Marlins are going through, because you've been through it and you've managed a team that has had some cases, what, what was your thought when you heard about what the Marlins are going through? Well, I, I even read uh, this morning, I was quoted about um, could be a tsunami going through certain places. And, and, and that quote really was revolving around the fact if teams uh, don't take this seriously and, and if you, they back off on the protocols. There have been a couple times where we've played other teams where you could just kind of see they're looking at us like, man, they're all wearing masks. Are they, they just scared to death? Uh, are, are they germaphobes? What's the deal? And my fear is that I know what we're doing and I hear what other teams are doing, but you, you just need a, a small group when you're talking about 30 teams with a 30-man roster and all the support staff. If you have anybody that just doesn't buy into the serious nature of this, um, you're talking about it affecting all of us, and we can't control that, so we just have to do our part and, once again, have faith in the process and have faith that everybody in our group is going to do the right thing, not just for themselves, but for the good of the group. And if we do that, then we know we've done, we've made our best run at this thing. That's all you can do. Most of all, glad to hear that you're feeling better, that you got through this you know, relatively quickly and that you're feeling close to normal, and hopefully you'll get back to 100% normal before long. Uh, have a, a safe season and a good season, and thanks so much for joining me today. Dan, my pleasure. Thank you. As you heard, Matheny and the Royals are taking every precaution, taking the virus incredibly seriously and doing everything they can to minimize the risk. But as we all know, even if you do everything right, there will always be some risk. Our thanks to Mike for coming on. I've known him a long time, and I am very glad that he is feeling okay. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Belt. We'd love you to subscribe, to tell your friends, to leave a review, or just to join us again next time for some more baseball talk. Stay safe.